All right, in your Bible, in your Bible today to the book of John chapter 13. John chapter 13. So glad to be here today. And I am so glad for the mercy of God. I'm glad I did not and will not get justice. I'm glad that I have mercy. Aren't you glad of that? Well, we serve God today, not because we have to, because we get to. That's mercy. Amen. Well, I'm looking forward to the 21st when we have 250 folks here on a Saturday to go out into the highways and byways, share the good news of our Lord, and to invite folks to our 25th anniversary. It's so hard to believe that we've been here 25 years. I looked in the mirror today, and then all doubt passed by. Some of those pictures they're using on some of that material we passed out is nothing but a lie. It is probably out of date just a dab. Twelve hours, and our Lord will be going to the cross. Twelve hours remain before his death and departure from this world. He's meeting in the upper room with his twelve disciples. Better known as the Last Supper, if you please. It's there that he instituted the Lord's Supper. And it's that place we take up today in the book of John chapter 13. And in our series entitled, Why Christianity is Special, we find once again why it's very, very special. I read for you now in verse number 31. Do not forget the context. And the Bible says, therefore, when he was gone out, speaking of Judas, who's left to betray our Lord, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while, and I am with you. You shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, whether I go, you cannot come, so now I say to you, A new commandment I give unto you. That you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. If ye love one another. You could say that this is our Lord's death wish. You could say that these words carry a load of importance because of the brevity of what he has yet to say. 
He did not say all men will know you are my disciples if you carry a King James Bible. He did not say that you men will know that you are my disciples by the way that you dress. But we put a lot of emphasis on those two areas of Christianity. Our Lord did not say that uh, you prove that you are a disciple by being an exceeding great soul winner. Or a wonderful prayer warrior. Or a magnanimous giver in the church. All the things that we equate to Christianity falls by the wayside when the real rubber meets the road. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, that ye have love one for another. Well, I know some folks just not worthy of love. You're probably president of that club. I don't know anybody who's worthy of his love. I want you to notice, if you would please, here in this context in chapter 13, the Lord has given his disciples and we who are his disciples today a tremendous lesson, if you would please, on humility and service. When he when he took his garments and laid them aside and girded himself with a towel and bowed to the level of washing his disciples' feet. And in verse number 17, he says, if you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. What things? Verse 15, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. You say, well, I might wash your hands. Or if you really were sick, I might wash your face. But I'll not wash your feet. Jesus said, that's the attitude I'm trying to deal with before I go back to heaven. Because if the church is going to be harmonious and victorious and the kind of church God wants it to be, we got to get pride outside and egos must rest outside the doors of this place. And we must learn to be humble servants, not only to each other, but to him. He gives us a lesson on humility and and service and then he gives us a lesson in theology verse 1 3 and 11 if you notice in those verses the bible says he knew he knew he knew he is omniscient ladies and gentlemen our lord jesus knows everything about you today he knew first of all the times in verse number 1 he knew that his time to go to calvary was at hand He came to die, not to live. He came 
to pay for mine and your sin debt, not to enjoy his life. He came to be a servant of us who should learn to be servants for him. He knew the time of his death. He knew also who he was. In verse number three, he knew where he came from, who he was, and where he was going. Thank God our Lord knew who he was. He's the God of gods, the Savior of all saviors, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Oh, how we need to learn a lesson in theology. And he knew his betrayer, verse 11. He knew who he was. In verse 11, the Bible says, for he knew who should betray him. And yet, now listen, he loved him. He loved him. He not only knew his betrayers, he knew who was saved and who was not saved. He knew Judas was lost all along. He knew that one day the devil would indwell Judas and take over that ship. He knew that Judas would go and betray him and sell him out for 30 pieces of silver. He knew that. Notice verse 1, the latter part of the verse. Having loved his own, which are in the world, he loved them. How long? To the end. Wow. I said, wow. Isn't that something? What would you like to do to your betrayer? (laughs) What would you like to do to your ex-wife? Or husband? What would you like to do to your ex-employer? A lesson. You say, preacher, I don't understand it. Then he gave us a lesson on how to be happy. You know why Christians are not happy? Verse 17. This is why Christians are not happy. Verse 17. If you know these things, there's not one person in here today that does not know that God is who he said he was. And that Christ is who he said he was. That his church is a place to assemble. His place is an opportunity to serve. His place, his church is a place to honor God. And you say, well, preacher, I know all that. And I'm still not happy. The reason is, you're not doing them. That, that's the reason you're not doing them. And then today he gives us a lesson own love. Let me ask you something. If I were to ask you how you're doing in your Christianity, what would you say? Well, I'm doing fine. At this particular time, I'm doing fine. Bills are paid. Most of the kids in our family will talk to you. Well, I'm doing fine. I wonder if we took a test today on where we are in our Christian walk and in our relationship with Christ and our relationships with one another. I wonder if many of us might agree that probably we're doing fine. 
reminds me of the story. An old, old story of a man who showed up for court hearing concerning an accident which he was in recently. And he was there to testify and try to, re- try to recoup some expenses in the accident. And when he showed up at court, he was bandaged from foot to head. Not a place on him was not scratched, scarred, or bruised. And he walked into the courtroom and the judge said, well, uh, how you doing? He said, uh, well, judge, uh, there's just not any place on me that's not hurting. He said, I, I have been beaten. I, I tape, judge, I am the most miserable man in the world. I feel awful. And the judge said, well, I don't understand this. The accident report filed by the officer says that at the time of the accident, you told him that you were just fine. And the judge said, I don't understand. And the man said, well, judge, you mind if I explain to you the events that took place at the accident that might enlighten you as to the... Uh, the events and uh, the cause and the demeanor of the crime. He said, sure. He said, well, the other day I was going down the road in my pickup truck. And I had a trailer behind my pickup truck. And my dog Shep was in the back of the truck. And my mule was in the trailer. And I was going down the road minding my own business and suddenly an 18-wheeler sideswiped my pickup truck. Knocked me off of the road. The truck began to roll and to tumble and I looked out of my eyesight and I saw Shep flying through the air and right behind him the mule were flying through the air. Wham! We all ended up in a ditch. I'm laying there. I think, Judge, that I'm dying. Blood everywhere. Suddenly a police officer showed up. And he walked over and looked at my mule. Looked at him right in the eye. I was watching. And he pulled out his gun and bang! He shot my mule right between the eyes. I'm laying there in my blood and I think I'm a dying judge and he walked over to old Shep and he looked at my dog and got down and looked at him and pulled out his gun and bang, he shot Shep, Stone Rock Graveyard dead. And he walked over to me and said, how are you doing? He said, I'm fine. Uh, maybe the events and circumstance might determine on how fine we are. That's the reason Jesus said in the midst of denial of his own disciples. 
And in the light of his disciples arguing, bickering, and jockeying for position in Luke 23 and verse 24. In the light of a proud and arrogant Peter says, you'll not wash my feet. The light of one who's walked and talked and eaten and fellowship with him now for three plus years, Judas exits the upper room and our Lord knowing in his heart where he's going. Our Lord realizing that he's about to depart and leave those 12 men as representatives of the greatest cause in all of history. Realizing that every individual that does not embrace Christ will die and spend eternity in a devil's hell. Realizing that this world is going to need a great advertisement of the grace of God. Realizing that a dark and dreary world filled with sin and debauchery Realizing that humanity need something to witness of God's great love. He looked at his disciples, 11 of them now that is left. And he said, I'm going to give you a new commandment. A new commandment. I think the mandate is the great commandment. Remember the great commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, all thy mind, and all thy strength. And the second is like unto the first. Without the first, there is no second. Many folks are trying to get to second, but you don't get to second till you pass first. Many folks are trying to love their neighbor when they haven't first learned to love God. And here it is today. I'd like to leave it with you. I've got uh, 1058 on the old watch. I'd like to give you a new mandate. A mandate is a commandment. A mandate is a delegated authority. A mandate is not a wish. It's not a, a, if you desire, it's not at your pleasure. It's not in your time frame. Jesus said, I'm going to give you guys a commandment. Every once in a while, Ginger shares her heart. And I think about what she's saying. Every once in a while, she suggests that she'd like for me to go to the store. And I think about it a while. 
every once in a while she commands. I leave immediately. <laughs> Amen. Jesus says, I'm not leaving you a new suggestion. I'm not leaving you a new prerogative. I'm not leaving you a new wish list. I'm leaving you a new commandment. Because of severity, because of the necessity, because of the absolute overwhelming need in humanity for a lost and dark, dismal world to see the light of the Savior, he said, I want you to be my representatives in this whole world, and I want you to do it by not what you say, but by what you do. A new commandment. Please, if you would, take your Bible with me, if you would, please, for just a minute. And I want you to look with me for just a minute at... John chapter 15. That's not too far from where we are. John 15, I read for you verse number 9. In verse number 9 of the book of John, chapter number 15. Now look at this and look at every word, if you would. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye... In whose love? Continue, not in your love, because apart from Christ, there is no love. Apart from God, there is no love. God will not be love. God is not going to be love. God is love. And continue in my love. Not your whooped up emotional Hollywood kind of fuzzy feeling. He said, I want you to continue in my love. Is anybody here? Can you say amen? amen? Now notice the next verse, if you would please. He said in verse number 10, if ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my Abide, abide. Ginger and I abide over at 58, 13,000 oaks. We live there. We just don't visit there. We live there. That is known as our abode. Don't just visit. Don't just go over there when we feel like it. Hey, listen to me. We live there. You and I are to not just visit the love of God on Sunday and on Wednesday. You and I are not to just visit God's love when everything starts falling around our head. We are to abide, live, dwell continually in the love of God. And if we keep his commandments, that's how we abide in his love. 
Love is not an emotion. Love is an action. And if I abide in his commandments and I stay in this book and I I, I stay and, and let it abide in me, you know what? Then I can abide in the love of God. Oh, you say, now, preacher, you don't know what you're talking about. Even as I have kept my father's commandments... And abide in them, verse 11, these things have I spoken unto you that your joy may be full. You mean keeping God's commandments, abiding in God's love produces full joy in our life? Well, I don't understand why I'm not happy. It's because... You're a blockhead. It's not soaking in. (laughs) You said, I'm not believing. I come to church and was called a blockhead. I take it back. Verse 12. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Okay. How do you do that? Greater love hath no man than this. That he man lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do whatsoever. Whoa, look at it. I, what's the next word? Command you. Verse 17, these things I command you that you love one another. Do you think maybe that might be kind of important? Five times he says, I command you. I command you. God commanded me. I command you. Do it. First John 3 in your Bible, if you would, please. You say, preacher, I'd rather you tell jokes as to do what you're doing right now. First John 3, would you, would you look at it? Please, now look at it. Please, please, please. Must be kind of important. He's only got 12 hours left to live. Only 12 hours yet left to teach. And I think at the end of his life, he who is all wisdom and all knowledge would know what the important thing to leave the disciples in the wee dying hours of his life. Notice First John 3. I read for you verse 24 and verse 25. Would you look at it, please? Verse 24. Verse 23 says, And this is his commandment, that you should believe on the name of of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him. And he in him. And hereby we know that he abide in us by the spirit which he hath given us. Whoa. You say, you mean God commanded me believe? Yeah, that's what it said. If you're here today, you have no choice. God commanded you to believe in his son, Jesus Christ. And once you believe, he commands you to keep his commandments. And by your attitude and action toward his commandments, 
is evidence of not whether or not you are saved. You said, you mean I can't live like hell and be saved? That's what that said. Verse 24, and he that keepeth his commandments does what? Dwelleth in him. And he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. A commandment. A mandate. I'll not speak for you, but I have no choice. This thing of living for God is not a multiple choice. It's not true or false. It is yes or no. Keep his commandment, the mandate. Number two, the manner. The manner. In what manner are we to love? Is it possible to command anyone to love? How can anyone, even God, command love? After all, haven't you heard of love at first sight? And I also have heard of lust at first sight. When I saw her, I'll tell you, my hair just felt like uh, it was standing on in. I, I, I just felt like I just stuck my finger in a 120 volt light socket. Bombs went off. My toes stirred straight up. I could count all my toenails right through my shoes. Is that what God commands us to do? He said that you love one another. How can anyone command anyone? To love anyone. People come to my office and and they, they just confess I don't I don't love them like I used to. How can anyone command what most of us call love? You, you know, when you think about it, that emotion, that feeling uh, of attachment or endearment to others. Maybe Jesus wasn't talking of an emotional chill bump, woozy, woozy kind of love when he says, love one another. By the way, what in your definition, what is love? What is love. You know, it's, it's just, it's a four-letter word. You know that, don't you? I, I don't know, but I can just see Brother Clint now telling his lovely wife, 
I wish one of these days she'd say, Clint, what do you mean? Don't try it, Mojo. I'll bet Jay Clint will whoop me next time he sees me. The next time somebody tells you, I love you, ask them, what do you mean? What is love? At 11, 12, today, in your mind, God says, I have a commandment for you. That you love one another. What does that mean? Modern man loves everything from women to fried chicken. You tell your wife, honey, I love you. Then go home and say, you know, I'd love to have a bologna sandwich. You teenagers, tell one another, I love you. Do you love them like you love bologna or do you love them like you like fried chicken? Modern man loves everything. I love to fish. He loves to hunt. He loves to play golf. Even though he throws his clubs in the lake. (laughs) Cusses every buzzard on the golf course. And goes to the golf course frustrated and leaves mad. I love golf. (laughs) What what are we saying? Uh, You say, preacher, are you going to get through? Yeah, I'm going to get through. What? Does it mean to love? Man loves everything in the world. To love, to love to some is nothing but a sexual desire. All the love is built around a physical attraction. A moving of the physical Lustful desires in a body. I must love you because I want you so bad. To some love is nothing more than a devotion that idolizes or idolizes and loves the one and thinks that they're perfect regardless of how imperfect they may be. To others, love is a selfish sentiment that cries out for attention and flattery. Some parents are too strict on their children because they love their children and want them to do exactly right. While others are passive and will not discipline their children because They love them so much, they do not want them to be treated the way they were. What is love? Some marriages quickly fall apart because they're founded on a greedy, graspy, sentimentally called love. Since when is divorce 
is a cure for not loving somebody. Well, I don't love them, so I'm going to leave them. Marriage is last in many cases because their love is unselfish. Balance with a give and take mentality expressed in mutual submission and sacrifice for each other. Our society has concocted, if you please, a love of being only an emotion or feeling. Would you say that? Would you believe that? A society and humanity has concocted a false uh, definition of what love really is. And uh, uh, love is a lump in the throat, a a knot in the stomach, and a frizzing of the hair. Uh, uh, It's a warm and, and passionate, fuzzy kind of feeling. And when the fuzz is gone, love. Is that what God is telling us? Yes, sir. Go into all the world and show the world your fuzzy feeling. <laughs> fuzzy, fuzzy, fuzzy. Go into all the world and tell them how much you love them. A new commandment. We just don't understand it. A new commandment, we'll define it in our own terminology. I'll show everybody I love God as long as I feel like it. I would like to close some feel that it's A desire to possess someone as your own for all your life. But I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about. Are you still at 1 John 3? Could I please show you verse 18? It's been there all the time. I said it's been there all all along. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in what? In deed and truth. Love is not a passion, it's a philosophy. Love is not an attitude, it's an action. Love is not an emotion. Love, I say to you, is a direct act of my will. Even God cannot command an emotion. And yet he commands us to love. And if love was an emotion then God and we 
could command an emotion. But you can command an action. What Jesus is saying, I want you to go into all the world and show the world that you love one another. Don't go into all the world and say you love one another. Don't go into the world and and act. You go into the world and prove to them that you love them. That's the manner. Please let me help you. The manner is this. As I have loved you. You're not to love one another like you want to. I am not to love one another. Like I want to. I'm to love you like God wants me to love you. And like Jesus loved you and went to the cross and died for our sins. That's the kind of love that God wants us to have for one another. You say it don't feel good. Well, it's not a feeling to begin with. It's an action. Well, I just don't feel like it. Well, it's not an attitude. Do it anyhow. Hmm? I read a real, a, a real entertaining story this week. It goes like this. In a supermarket, Curtis, the stock boy, working for minimum wage, was busy working when a New voice came over the intercom asking for a carry out at checkout stand number four. Curtis is almost finished with his stocking and his work in the back. So he, he thought he'd just go ahead, needed some fresh air anyhow, so he decided to answer the call. As he approached the checkout stand, a, a distant smile caught his eye. A new checkout girl was at checkout number four. Beautiful she was. A little older than Curtis, 26 at the time, Curtis, 22. And he looked at her and just fell in love right there. Bang, bang. Just fell in love with her. Later that day after the shift, was over. He's waiting at the time clock for her to punch out so he could see which card she had, so he could see what her name was. And he stood there silently in the background. And when she came by, checked out, he went over and looked at her card. Her name was Brenda. And he waited outside to see what kind of car she got in to leave so he could kind of keep an eye on her. And whenever she left, he noticed that she did not have a car. She walked down the sidewalk, down the road, and to her home. Well, the next day, he waited outside and she left the supermarket, started walking down the road. And old Curtis, he just pulled up beside her in his car and said, would you like a ride? She said, no, I don't think so. And so he pressed on her and she looked at him and said, well, you look kind of (laughs) harmless. So she accepted the ride, took her home. At the house, Curtis asked her, said, uh, say, uh, 
Maybe on Saturday when we're not working, maybe you and I could go do something outside of work. She said, no, that, 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 that's not possible. And he pressed on her and he said, well, why? He said, well, because I have two children and, uh, and, and I, I have to take care of them. And he said, well, that, that's no problem. She said, it is for me. I don't have the money to buy a babysitter. So he said, I'll tell you, I'll just pay for the babysitter. $10 an hour minimum wage. <laughs> he must be in love. Can you say amen? Well, he, he pressed upon her and sure as a world. She submitted and said, yes, we can go out next Saturday. So he showed up on the doorstep Saturday and she walked to the door and kind of with a tear in her eye and said, I'm sorry, I can't go tonight. The babysitter got sick and uh, I, I just cannot go. Well, he said, well, I've got a solution to that. Let's just take the kids with us. She said, oh, oh that, that, that's impossible. He said, I don't know why. Let's just take the kids with us. She said, well, I don't think that'll work. I want you to come in and meet the kids. He walked in and the prettiest little old girl walked out, just accused the bugs here. And he was just so impressed with her. And then a little boy, invalid in a wheelchair, rolled out and born with Down syndrome. When he was just a baby, his biological father dropped him, and now he's blind in a wheelchair with Down syndrome. Curtis said, man, let's all go to the movie and eat. And she said, are you serious? Curtis said, yes, let's go have a good time. They went to the movie. They went out to eat. And during the evening, any time the little boy had to be taken to the restroom, bag boy Curtis picked him up, took him to the bathroom, treated him like a king, loved him with the love of Jesus Christ. And the end of the evening, when Curtis dropped him off, She went into the house and said, that has just got to be the man I want to marry and spend the rest of my life with. Well, a year later, they were married and Curtis adopted both of her children. And since then, they've had two more children. So I thought for a while and I, I thought to myself, I wonder whatever happened to the checkout boy named Curtis and the checker in aisle number four. Well, Kurt and Mrs. Warner moved to St. Louis where he became the most valuable player in the football league in 1999 and 2001. And in 2002, Curtis, the bag boy, was most valuable player in Super Bowl 2000. Kurt Warner 
treated others like Jesus treated others. Love one another as I have loved you. Well, what's the motivation? Why? Because by this shall all men know you are my disciples. Jesus practiced it. Peter preached it. John taught it. And God, our Father, authored it. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Twelve hours before he were to die, he said, a new commandment I give unto you. Love one another as I have loved you. For by this shall all men know that you're my disciples.